You are listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a show covering the hometown Milwaukee Brewers as we analyze the roster, report on the latest rumors, and discuss their quest to bring the World Series trophy to Milwaukee for the first time. Here are your hosts, Peter and David Go. Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, Peter Go. David, we're here for a special episode here. We've got a fun guest that we got to interview today, Eric Agnew of the Miller Park Minute. If you haven't heard of Miller Park Minute, Facebook group, Twitter, uh, just about everywhere, uh, YouTube as well, certainly go check out um, Eric Agnew and the Miller Park Minute. But it was a really fun interview. We got to hear a, a pretty cool story about how Eric got to talk with Lorenzo Kane on the phone. So certainly stay tuned for that story. That was a pretty cool story. Um, and uh, not a story that a lot of Brewers fans could share, you know, given a call to a active Brewers player after a, a solid uh, game that he had. So certainly stay tuned for that story. That was that was gold. And uh, enjoy just talking baseball with him. Eric shared that he's confident with the Brewers lineup roster, actually doesn't really want to make the Brewers making a lot of moves at the deadline, which might surprise some Brewer fans. And he even shared his uh, prediction for the Brewers with over 100 wins and the NL Central crown. So bold predictions from him, but we had a blast recording it. David, what were your highlights from our time uh, today with Eric? Those were some of the things that stood out to me too, the Lorenzo Cain story and him not wanting the Brewers to make any moves. But I thought he had some interesting thoughts on Tyrone Taylor as well. And quite the optimist as far as Brewers win totals. Um, But it is easy to see kind of more so now with the Brewers rolling why he sees that, why he sees a lot of the positives in the Brewers. And some of the things he said were maybe not things that I had considered um, about injuries, about the team being at full strength, but certainly things that are true. Uh, So make sure to listen to that interview coming up right after this. Yeah, absolutely. We even broke down Aaron Ashby's extension, a lot of parallels to Freddie Peralta. uh, And that could be a big win for the Brewers and for Ashby. So again, uh, tune into that here. We will get to the interview, which is what probably all of you are waiting for. But before we get to that, we've got our trivia question and random question, excuse me, trivia question and random player of the day. Our trivia question today, David, in 2012, Ryan Braun became the fourth Brewers player in their franchise history with at least 100 home runs and 100 steals with the franchise. Can you name the three players uh, previous to Ryan Braun to achieve that feat? So 100 homers and 100 steals as a member of the Brewers um, but prior to Ryan Braun, so I don't have 30 minutes to think about this one like we normally have. Robin Yount is one of them. Robin Yount is correct. He was the first to do so. Uh, Paul Molitor. Paul Molitor is the second. He okay. was the second to do so. This I will tell you, the first two, Yount, Molitor, obviously, not necessarily the hardest to get. This one I was surprised to see. It was, uh, was not a, a gimme by any means. So we had, let's see, we had Tommy Harper at his 30-30 season, but I don't think he played long enough to amass those over his career. We had we had some of the mainstays like Don Money, Cecil Cooper, but I don't know, they weren't really fast enough. I don't think they had 100 steals. Even Jeff Jenkins. I'll give you a hint. We actually briefly mentioned him uh, later on here in our conversation with Eric. Was it Ricky Weeks? It was. Ricky Weeks, that surprises actually, me. yeah. I, I was surprised to see that too. Ricky Weeks, uh, alongside, as uh, as many like to say, 
in the same sentence as Ryan Braun, Paul Molitor, and Robin Yount with over 100 home runs and over 100 steals with his time with the Brewers. He had an underrated career with the Brewers. I, I never really gave him the respect I think he deserved uh, because of the injuries and uh, sometimes the inconsistency that he had. But excellent career. Again, Ryan Braun, Paul Molitor, Robin Yount, and Ricky Weeks, the only Brewers to hit 100 home runs and have 100 steals with the team. I, I checked actually to see if there was anybody that had done it since. Um, Carlos Gomez was pretty close to doing it, uh, but I don't believe hit the home run mark with the Brewers. Uh, he did do it as a career. He does have 100 of each, um, I believe, but nobody's done it since in Braun in 2012. Christian Yelich obviously could would seem like a uh, an obvious potential person to uh, be able to achieve that later on in his career. So final thing here before we get to the interview, David, who's our random player of the day? Today's random player of the day is Brewers AAA first baseman, member of the Nashville Sounds, has not played in the majors with the Brewers. And that is John Singleton. Singleton this year is hitting 207, 362 on base, slugging up at 469, which is a pretty good mark. He actually bounced around with a few teams over the past couple years. Um, and we spent a lot of time actually away from baseball before kind of re-emerging with an independent league team in Mexico last year where he had an on-base over 500. This year in AAA, 86 games, 19 home runs, has been overall pretty good despite the low batting average. Although I don't know if we'll see him, maybe, I don't really see him having a role with the Brewers at any point this year, so perhaps we'll move on. And one of the examples we were talking about in our interview um, with if you give a, a young player an extension early on, kind of the risk of it, and a, the risk is a player like John Singleton who got an extension from the Astros and then did not end up really living up to the hype that he showed at a pro, as a prospect. Yeah, absolutely. All that and more coming up here on our interview with Eric Agnew of the Miller Park Minute. So we've got Eric Agnew from the Miller Park Minute here today. Excited to be with him and just talk through all things Brewers as always. So, Eric, happy to have you on here, and tell us a little bit more about the Miller Park Minute, the things that you do um, as your love for the Brewers. Yeah, so I started the Miller Park Minute, uh, really, it was four years ago almost now, and it was kind of part just something that I wanted to do. Um, I'd explored YouTube and saw that there was starting to be content creators for baseball in general uh there was a zach apples there's a guy named giraffe neck mark who's a mets fan you know and fuzzy and um god there's so many but there you know like there's these guys that were that were just getting a start at that time and i was like well there's nobody talking brewers baseball and i want to talk brewers baseball so i started really infant like i took my iphone and i was recording in my car just reading the box score and reacting. And it was, they were cheesy. I mean, if you go back and watch some of those first videos, and I'm not a person to delete those because, you know, you got to show where you came from. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was that was really the early start to my my career. And, you know, I kind of had some, some stops along the way. Um, you know, got Mauricio Dubon, Tim Dillard, and Lorenzo Cain as, as interviews. And it was really fun to do that because, you know, it's just reaching out to the person with a DM or, you know, trying to say something when you're you're in connection and just just fun stuff like that. You know, it's it's definitely a different a different realm to be a 
podcaster, a content creator to do this because you are trying to find out what everybody else is into, what people are going to watch or listen to, or how many views you're going to get. And, you know, over time it takes to, to build up an audience, you know, like, and I think I've done that. Um, I've been a Brewers fan my whole life. Like a lot of you got like you guys and, and a lot of people in the state. And one of the things that is out there is like, we don't have a lot to, I always felt like people were talking about 1982. I always feel like, as as young guys, you guys are young guys like myself, um, you know, I wasn't around in 82, so, like, I want to talk about, like, you know, the Prince Fielder, Ryan Bronze, uh, the, at the time, Jeff Jenkins, you know, let's let's stop spending our time on 82. I mean, great, 82, we went to the World Series, but we didn't win. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've kind of, as much as I appreciate guys like Paul Molitor and Robin Young and stuff like that, I also think like let's focus on the now. Let's let's talk about the now. And that's what I try and do. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And certainly it's been a lot easier to focus on the now. Uh the last couple of years. It's been been obviously a good run the brewers have had and are still on. But I hear you, we joke about it on the podcast. I think we've got another 40th anniversary celebration <laughs> uh coming up for 82. So every every five years it's it's like we're like you said, we're we're throwing it back. It's almost like the you know, the guys that grow up and then never, never get out of like their high school football days when they were the star. That's like the 82 Brewers for the Brewers. So I just mm-hmm. hope that the Brewers can get to the World Series partly to see them there and partly to to stop the 82 mm-hmm. uh, content and, uh, and stop in the, the glory days. But I got to circle back. You said you got uh, Barucio Dubon, Tim Dillard and Lorenzo Cain on the podcast. Uh, certainly Lorenzo Cain, that's a pretty cool podcast interview. All those got to be fun. But which of those three were the most fun? And maybe a story on, on how you ended up landing one of those three guests. I'm going to, you know, as much as I love Lorenzo Cain, uh, that one was kind of a, a sketchy story. So I'll tell that story real quick. Um, I was in line. Oh, I, I technically I wasn't in line. I was waiting for my wife with my phone to take a picture of her with Travis. Or no, not Travis Shaw. It was uh, Jeremy Jeffers. Uh, she was a big Je- Jeremy Jeffers fan, and it was at Brewers on Deck, and there was a guy standing there, kind of dressed nice, you know, like, decent, decently, like, dressed for being at an event like that, and the guy uh, go asked me, because he ha- my friend was there recording me, like, I got a friend, my friend here with a camera, and I'm, I'm recording myself and taking pictures, and he asked me what I was doing, and I said, hey, I do a, a, a podcast and a, a YouTube channel, and I talk about the Brewers. And he's like, oh, I'm, uh, he introduced himself. I'm Jeremy Jefferson's agent. And I said, that's awesome. You know, like, how cool to meet somebody's agent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, I used to represent Lorenzo Cain. And I don't know how it came across in, like, in, like, conversation here. But he, like, somehow dropped that he was going to, like, he was giving me Lorenzo Cain's phone number. Now, at the time, I kind of was like, Sure yard, you know, like okay. Yep. And I took out my phone and I put it in, save Lorenzo Kane. Fast forward, I didn't realize that I had actually or remember that I did this, except for one night I was watching the game and he had like a walk-off or, or not walk-off, but like a hit that really like was awesome. And I'm like, I've got Lorenzo Kane in my phone book, right? And I'm like, I'm gonna call it and see what's what's up. <laughs> So out of the blue, I just randomly called this phone number and 
sure enough, I got a voicemail that said, it's Kane. And it it was his voice. Dead ring. Awesome. It was his voice. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to call call my, my wife. I have my wife hear this voicemail and be like, yeah, that's Kane. And I called. On the second call, he picked up. No way. <laughs> so randomly, I am on the phone with Lorenzo Kane after he hit a game, you know, like a game-winning yeah. double or something. And he's like, who's this? How'd you get my number? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, oh, yep. my God. And uh, so I said to him, like, hey, uh, I have a podcast, a YouTube channel. I was just wondering if I could get you on. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we, we could do that. And I text with him, a, like, a handful of times after that. And, like, finally, 2020 canceled opening day. He was like, yeah, let's do it. And we had this little sit down. You know, it wasn't like a, a video chat or anything like that, but I put him on speaker and I recorded it on my iPad. We talked and it was probably one of the coolest things just because the guy, the guy is a cool guy and a really yeah. friendly guy and just genuine. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing about that that I really appreciate because we texted a handful of times and there was in like extensive text conversation, but it was like, Hey, good hit. Yeah, good. You've been playing awesome. Congratulations on the gold glove. Uh, and he would he would reply. It was super cool. So my, my claim to fame with this thing is um, at the end of, you know, when they had announced the DFA and, you know, it was kind of the moment he was yeah. riding out, you know, I shot a text and I just said, hey, I'm sorry to see you go, my friend, but. It's been awesome to watch you. And he replied and said, I saw it on my phone. I saved it. <laughs> he Absolutely. said, like, who who has a major leaguer's phone number? I mean, outside of somebody famous, who has a major leaguer's phone number in their phone and actually uh, contact with them? Nobody. Right. So this is kind of one of those situations that this, is a, this has afforded me. All right. So I just said I'm heartbroken. I'm sad, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I appreciate that, man. It was a fun ride. It's time for me to love on this family now. Be safe out here. That's awesome. Loretto. And and I, I'm keeping it. I, it's going to be on my phone forever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Absolutely. No, that is, that's an awesome story. Who knows? I mean, it's one of those, you know, right place, right time. And, and you made the call. And, and like you said, he's certainly a down to earth guy. He, some players obviously either would never answer the phone or, or they wouldn't give you the light of the day if you ever did pick up. But certainly, that's a pretty pretty awesome story. Is that was that a, a podcast episode that's still out there that we could link to? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, right. it's on it's it's on my podcast uh, Miller Park Minute on Anchor and Apple, and then it's also on the YouTube channel. Awesome, yeah. So we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, I'll certainly have to check sure. out that episode as well. Um, that'll that's pretty cool. I, I haven't even I don't know if I've listened to a podcast interview with Lorenzo Kane. Can't, I don't think he's really been interviewed much. He doesn't do a lot, to be honest with you. And I thought it was kind of interesting because he doesn't do a lot. Absolutely. Well, uh, oh, speaking of Brewer's center field position, Tyrone Taylor, obviously, who's taken over for the most part in center field with a mixture of him and Jonathan Davis. There's certainly been a lot of talk around whether the Brewers can trust Tyrone Taylor as their everyday starting center fielder. I think he's overall been okay. I know he was off to a better start and hasn't really um, had much of an, a bat here. But what are your thoughts on Tyrone Taylor manning that center field position, uh, possible options the Brewers could have if they do make an acquisition, if they don't. What are your thoughts there? 
Uh, so I like I like Tyrone. Uh, I think that there is an issue, and I, I kind of quietly said this in conversation with a fellow podcaster and one of my best baseball friends, as I call him. And I think there is an issue there. I think there is something that they do not want to tell us, something they see, some history of injury or something. Because why haven't they trusted him to this point so far? I mean, it was very apparent early on this season that Lorenzo Cain was not Lorenzo Cain of the mm-hmm. past and the, the, the golden Lorenzo Cain. And now we're, we're sitting here and, you know, they DFA'd Lorenzo Cain and they brought this other guy in and he still gets more starts and stuff like that. So I don't know that they fully trust him. I don't know that it's all there. Even, even when he was looking hot coming out, um, they, they didn't, they were very hesitant to switch, you know, and Lorenzo Cain has had his inconsistencies over the last two parts of his seasons. So last two seasons that he's played, I should say, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't know. I think there's something they they almost got to have something in the works. Yeah, yeah. I think the the main thing maybe that kind of showed that was that when Kane um, was gone, they brought in Jonathan Davis. Yeah, they didn't just give Taylor every day at bats. Like it became kind of a maybe fifty fifty type thing. And Davis isn't someone with real upside. He's not someone that probably is going to ever be a, a starter at the major league level. But with Taylor, the way he had played before. You could have seen, you know, maybe he's he's got clearly the upside, the talent, where if he can put some things together, um, he's a streaky hitter, but if he can get hot at the right time, could perhaps take hold of that center field job. Uh, do you think someone like Ramon Laureano would represent an upgrade over Taylor? Yeah, I do. And actually that, uh, if, if you were to just ask me straight that question, I would say uh, get a guy with some upside, some this has showed some talent for already because at this point you really don't I mean prospects in my opinion and I've said this on a hundred episodes and a hundred things prospects are prospects and until they prove something give us something I don't care <laughs> you know so like get somebody that's got some proven time and you know obviously like I said you, you didn't trust Taylor enough to give him up a full full shot so go get that upgrade go get that piece and i think that would be the uh because you ain't gonna trade for a major league like star for right. the brewers i mean let's face it and i'm gonna say this maybe your opinion is a little different than mine but the brewers don't trade for stars they don't get stars but you know like that we, we we've got we got an old mccutcheon we got a Colton Wong kind of at the end. You know, yeah, he came off the gold glove and stuff like that. But, I mean, we never get star stars. We're not going to go out there and get Juan Soto tomorrow. Sorry, just ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, we all dream about it. We all fantasize about getting one of these hot young guys. But the reality of Brewers fans, Brewers fandom and David Stearns is it ain't, it ain't happening. Sorry. Yeah. No. I mean, <laughs> we gotta get a guy with some kind of upside that's gonna make us look like geniuses. Yeah. No. I mean, that's those are the players he's targeting, and really, I think Loriano does fit that to some degree. And I, what I like about Loriano is that he has he has some upside to him, but the downside is not really all that significant. I mean, he's had over 1,500 career plate appearances. He's been an above average hitter. 
solid defender in the outfield. So, you know, worst case scenario, we're talking about maybe an average everyday outfielder, which, you know, for a guy who has control all the way through 2025 is definitely an asset to have. And like you said, we're not going to give up the farm system for him. And we're probably talking about a couple of prospects that, you know, maybe turn into something, but at the end of the day, we never know. And this is certainly the stretch where the Brewers have a chance to make, you know, make a deep run in the playoffs this year and the next couple of years. So certainly uh, I'd be, I'd be in favor of that as well. Well, and the thing you look at now, okay, we've had some players that have come out of our system that have done some things, you know, and you never know. The chances of that, like, you look at your Nelson Cruz. He had a good career. You look at your, uh, I think, Jake Odorizzi was one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Cooper, another. He was an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. You, you get these guys that come out. But that's a 50-50 shot. It, it may be even more like a 75% chance right. that they actually become a star. And get even achieve these levels. So if you got to give up a little prospect capital, you know, and I, I love the I love watching the rankings of like pro, prospects and systems because I'm like, you really don't know. Yes, yeah, they're good right now, but they could be dog crap when they come to the major leagues. I mean, I'm gonna use this as an example, and I gotta send a, a a little bit of love out to my buddy Rob. Uh, Rob always was a big Orlando Arcia fan, and they were hot to trot on Arcia. Yeah, how many years did we let Arcia? Slop up the infield. Yeah, he was he was good, but he also got into other people's faces and other people's plays that could have been made by other players. He was kind of a hot shot. He had a couple clutch hits, and I, I won't ever regret his time. But it wasn't that great. Yep. Kasten here is another great example of that. He's kind of been a bust for us, you know. Yeah. No, I remember I rookie remember. year, and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I remember a tweet that that when. Uh, when Arcia was basically at his peak prospect, really, which in some ways was his peak in his career, honestly. Uh, but I remember a tweet that said, you know, would you take this right now? Um, and it showed, you know, career, career, a career stat line of Ricky Weeks. Obviously, he didn't say who it was, but showed the career stat line for Orlando Arcia. And Brewers fans were all saying, no, no, he's going to be better. He's going to be better. And like you said, we, I mean, we forget pretty quickly. I mean, he was, he was the Brewers' top prospect that they had in, I don't know, years, a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he had a few, we had a little playoff RCA where he had a few hits here and there, but outside of that and some nice defensive plays, I mean, he, he wasn't even good enough to really be a, an everyday shortstop. So like you said, you never know. And that's why I'm, I'd be in favor of the Brewers being a little bit more aggressive um, in the, in the trade deadline as well. Any other, before we move on to the other topic, any other uh, besides Loriano, any other players that, that you see as, either center field targets, uh, areas that the, you would like to see the Brewers improve or anything um, in regards to that? I honestly, like, it's good. I kind of like where we're at. You know, we got Freddie Peralta coming back. If we can keep the the fielders healthy, there was a little scare if you watched today's game with uh, Urias getting hit. I mean, there was a, a lot of people forget that this we haven't played at full strength. Mm-hmm. I don't think for more than a handful of games all season. Yeah. There has always been a key person on the IL. You know, in the most recent stretch since the All-Star break, we've been healthy. And what did we do? You know what I mean? Like, two losses. Two losses since the All-Star break. That's tremendous. 
Mm-hmm. And Peralta's coming back on Tuesday. You know, if they get nobody, I'd be happy. Hmm. I would be honestly happy. I mean, they if they could they could get a, a couple of relievers and you know, that's mm-hmm. sure. that's that's also what the Brewers do. The Brewers are smart in the fact that they send guys up and down. You know, you see a Peter Shrizlecki, you see a what was the other guy, Connor or something. Yeah, that's, that's, you uh, know, yeah. these guys that aren't role like long term players. But they're going to be used here and there, and and they're going to be pieces. They got McGee the other day. McGee mm-hmm. has had a great career. He mm-hmm. just got lit up this season, and I think he had a, a little bit of trouble the other night. But I mean, he's he's a good he's a good player too. So, I mm-hmm. mean, if they don't make an uh, uh, an outcome here, I, I'm not going to be upset. I still think this is a first place team, no matter what. I think that Milwaukee has enough players, but I think they'll be better with those upgrades, you know? Yeah, no, certainly. And I mean, really, if we, if we look at it and you said, you know, if we asked any of us start of the season brewers, you know, end of July brewers are going to be 12 games over 500 sitting in first place. And by the way, you know, we didn't have Freddie Peralta all year. We, for most of the year, Um, Brandon Woodruff was in and out all sorts of injuries all around the team. I think, you know, we'd be pretty happy the the results we've seen on the field maybe haven't been perfect. But like you said, we're also having, you know, Jace Peterson play every day, Mike Brasso play every day. Colton Wong hasn't exactly been himself. Um, so there's there really is a lot to be excited about. Yeah. So, of course, we heard the news Aaron Ashby uh, extended all the way through 2027. Uh, so we'll be seeing a lot more of Aaron Ashby. Reminds me, obviously, of uh, the Freddie Peralta extension, the Brewer sign with Peralta, which... Certainly, as far as we've seen, has, has played out wonderfully for the Brewers. Uh, Ashby's deals. David, why don't you share the details on his extension? And we'll dive into some thoughts. Yeah, he'll get pretty low salary for the first couple of years, buying out his pre-arbitration years, and then um, his arbitration years for three and a quarter, five and a half, and seven and a half million um, in twenty-five through twenty-seven. But the two extra years that they do have now of control. $9 million club option in 2028 and $13 million option in 29. And of course the Brewers don't need to pick those up if, if they don't feel that it, it's worth it to pick those options up. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Ashby extension? Do you think it could be similarly successful, kind of similar to the uh, Freddie Peralta extension? Are you a little bit worried since he's been kind of inconsistent uh, so far as a member of the Brewers rotation? What are your thoughts on that extension? Um. So you look at you look at uh, kind of drawing comparisons. One of the things I see here and and I like is it kind of gives the player room to breathe, especially in the case of Freddie Peralta. I mean, Freddie Peralta didn't didn't have a ton of you know they kind of did the same thing. Then they this is their recipe, really. One of the things we we see here that they're doing is they're they're taking these young guys and they're putting them through their system. And then they bring them in and they kind of let them get smacked around a little bit. They they give them a real world like, okay, this is what the big leagues are like. Let's 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 do it. You know, I mean, they, the same thing happened to Ethan Small. He got smacked around in his starts, mm-hmm. and I think that's the benefit that they're doing. I think it's a positive. Look at where Freddie Peralta's career is versus where he was. You know now. I think it, it speaks to Ashby to be like, yeah, I want to commit at this point because that gives me something to work on, basically. I, I can do 
the the full circle here and not have to think about what I'm going to get paid or getting paid or if they're going to keep me around because now I got a deal. I got a deal. And I think the Brewers are smart to, to give somebody a deal. You know, I kind of wish they would have done it with Woodruff and, and, you know, Burns back in the day, but maybe maybe that's a little bit of smarts on those two players and maybe they knew that they were going to be bigger than they are, you know? Right, right, um, yeah. Yeah, certainly that would have been outstanding if we could have gotten tied up one of them. I remember it seemed like Woodruff extension talks were more prevalent than than Burns because Burns obviously had a weird career trajectory with bursting onto the scenes. He was outstanding in the bullpen and then, of course, the terrible year that he had and then resurged back. So it was, I think there was almost just too much risk on both sides for the Brewers to lock him up you know, right away. And then, of course, when he was terrible, mm-hmm. are you really going to sign a guy for, you know, $25 million guaranteed mm-hmm. over the next five years when he was unpitchable for a season? But I was trying to think back. Like I said, of course, Peralta uh, couldn't have worked out better for the Brewers, at least thus far. But mm-hmm. the Brewers haven't really been burned by any of these deals. I think of the only one I can think of around baseball that certainly got burned, Jonathan Singleton, I believe, with the Astros. Mm-hmm. I think they signed him to a similar six six year deal or something like that. And he basically did nothing for him. So he certainly won that deal. Uh, but for the most part, a lot of times they are, like you said, win-win scenarios where they're players who, you know, they never know. Aaron Ashby could go out and blow out his elbow, and that could really ruin the trajectory of his career. And he's locked in now, you know, probably $20 million in career earnings at least um, just by his performance in, in about a year or so in baseball. So it's a win for the player, but I can see I, – I would say it's difficult for me to see the Brewers really losing – out a lot on Ashby. I don't think at this point his downside is all that significant. So overall, I, I think it was a win-win. And I, to think that Ashby is going to be with the Brewers, or at least the Brewers will have the option to have him be with the Brewers all the way through 2029. Um, I mean, he could be a, a pretty big part of the club. Right. So. And you you think about this, you think about, you know, these guys are are people at the end of the day. But the one thing that I saw when they, they had Ashby on an interview, um, because it was the second start, since his first start was actually pretty good since the all-star break since he signed this extension but you look at the quality of the person you know he seems like a very humble young guy um similar to freddie you know freddie i remember the big deal it was mother's day and his family was there and sophia was talking to them in spanish and they didn't you know like like they were like totally in a whirlwind because they had never experienced anything like that being dominican is he from the dominican Freddie? yeah um but I think that's the cool part, you know. You get these guys that are humble, young guys, and they're they're on the program. They want to be set up for the success and mm-hmm. the future in baseball. And I think maybe that's where the hesitation comes in with a guy like Burns, where Burns, you know, like you mentioned, that career was kind of in question and in jeopardy at at a point there. And I think I think the upside is good for both. And um I'm excited for it. I, I like I like Ashby. What we've seen from him, he, he played a good. He was a good role player last year in the bullpen mm-hmm. and kind of start spot start here and there. Got lit up, but they came back to win that game. You know, then that's the cool story too. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were lit up by the Cubs. I remember that game. I was in my uh-huh. car, and they were they, and Bob Euchre, in fashion of Bob Euchre, always says. And this one's not over, folks. We got a lot of time left, you know. And and what happened? They came back and just decimated, uh-huh. and it was great. But uh-huh. you know, like 
that's the fun part about baseball. Mm-hmm. I mean, even today's today's outcome that could have gone totally different. I mean, the way Fenway plays. Mm-hmm. Let's, I just want to talk about that for a minute. Do you notice how Fenway plays? How many more doubles? How many more? Like with with our guys as hitters. Like if that was our everyday park, I feel like we'd just be stomping on people left and right because Rowdy was hitting like right down the line. I mean, uh-huh. all these hits were d- down the line over third base, and it yeah. was intense. I was like, I was really into these games at Fenway. Yeah, I would. It's I, sad we don't play there as often. Yeah, I know. I was gonna say we might actually see a few more extra base hits or even a, a couple home runs from Yelich with that short porch in right field if uh, if we, if he was playing at Fenway every day. Right, right. Yeah, well, I remember, he, had a, he had a decent series too. I I remember with the extension we we're talking about Freddie um, at the time, thinking like this could be a good extension, even if he ends up being just a good reliever in the long run. And I think that's kind of the floor on Ashby. Like seven and a half million is the highest guaranteed salary he has, and if he's a good reliever, even that's worth it. Um, I think what's interesting with Freddie too is that was kind of before the Brewers had their track record on developing starters. So Freddie was willing to sort of take that chance. Like, who knows? He could have maybe become better developing somewhere else at that point. But perhaps that that played into Ashby's decision as well, seeing Burns, Woodruff, Freddie, they weren't really that far off from where Ashby's at at this point in his major league career. And seeing the way they've developed, Ashby could be the next one in line. Very true. Very true. I I, I don't know. This I, I what we're doing on pitchers is is unlike anything we've ever seen in any any time in you know my thirty years of being a baseball fan. You know, yeah. So it's, no, it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So we're at we're at about a little bit past the midseason mark at this point. You are you are obviously optimistic about the Brewers team, basically saying even if they stay about the same or add a few relievers, you're still confident in the team they've got. So you see the Brewers as a ninety plus win team at the end of the year. Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, so I write down every year, I write down a, a list of predictions. And I believe, I believe I put them at, uh, let's see here. Hold on one second, one second, one second. I put them at like breaking the, the, the win record. Wow, I wrote down a lot of notes. <laughs> so like I do a lot of predictions I write a lot of numbers yeah I think I had them winning the division at 98 wins maybe more <laughs> I don't know this could be a revised there's a revised copy because I have a I have a five bold predictions and I'm just going to read this to you because it's kind of funny uh, I put Rowdy Telez hit 30 home runs on track yeah <laughs> Uh, I uh, I put a Keston one in here. Keston bats two eighty five. Um, Freddie Peralta wins the Cy Young. Uh, he was actually a contender last year, so that that yeah, would make sense. Uh, Adamus wins the NL MVP. And uh, yeah, that's the, what was my other one? Where's my fifth one? I guess I'll have to go back and watch the video to find out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely yeah. a 98-win yeah. team. But I, I feel like well, – I actually <laughs> – I think on the official episode I said 105. <laughs> <laughs> I go hard. I go yep. hard. I believe in this team, and I believe in my, my team. I'm a, if, you, if you listen to any of my content, 
if you, I, I tend to lean optimistic. Now, that's not going to mean that you're going to find moments where I'm, I'm ragging on something or I get pissed off at Craig Council. But that doesn't mean that I'm always that way. I, I lean hard optimism because everything in this world is negative. Every little piece. You can't go on Facebook without seeing a friend argue with a friend. You can't turn on the news without hearing what this side did to that side. Everything in between. It's like the world is just so negative. Let's let's bring it to positive. Baseball is a happy place. Mm-hmm. You know, from Little League on to – and I coach my kids' ball team, and I love it. They're, they're T-ball, for the last two years now, we're moving on to pitch, uh, coach pitch. But – it's a positive thing. It's a fun game. Let's just enjoy it. Let's enjoy what we've got. I mean, you know, a guy like McCutcheon, I never thought would have been a brewer. Never in my life, never in my wildest, but I thought we would get a McCutcheon or a Colton Long. Now, we're at the latter part of their careers. A talent like Christian Yelich. I never thought we would see a rise, rising star like that play on the Brewers outside of the homegrown Brian Braun, you know, and but there's some good things happening. We we have three starting pitchers that are they're all stars and should be perennial all stars for years to come. Mm-hmm. We have the best closer in the game, and you can't argue that like the best closer in the game. And there's no way he should be traded or gotten rid of. That's my piece. That's my statement. I'm, I'm not changing. That. <laughs> but and we have the best setup man in the game. If you could keep Devin Williams and Josh Hader, and you lose all three of the key starters, you still have a better chance of winning ballgames. Now, I want him to keep every each and every one of those five players, but mm-hmm. I'm a realist, too. At the same time, I know that we yeah. probably won't tender contracts to everybody, and, you know, Burns could, Burns could make sure there's their money out there in the free agent market, so... And you know that that Mark Atanasio will probably be a little bit hesitant to to pay that much, especially with the right, uh, exactly with with um the market size and and they're kind of it's it's a good and bad thing that all the players are kind of at the same age. They're all between like their third and fifth year in the majors, so like we've mm-hmm. got this this window, but at the same time they're all kind of getting paid and uh they're 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 getting their raises at the same time. Uh, which which kind of works against a team like the Brewers, right? Well, I, I didn't think you guys and and I, I don't know, you guys can probably tell me your your thoughts on this. But I go on Facebook, and I go on all these social medias, Twitter's, the Facebooks, Twitter and Facebook are the worst social medias for Brewers fans because all you see is the negative ones. Yep, and like it's always trade this guy, fire council, fire this guy. We need another hitting coach. It's like. They got two of them last year. <laughs> it's not necessarily always the hitting coach's fault. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes it's something mental, you know, and mm-hmm. you played this game, so you can tell me. You know, sometimes when you go out on that mountain, you throw that rubber, the, the coach could have given you all the tools. Your dad could have given you all the, the, the training in the world. You know, you could have had the best pitching coach out there. But sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. something between here and here that that isn't working, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are times you go out there and you just maybe you didn't have your best stuff in the bullpen and then you worry too much or maybe you got overconfident in your stuff in the bullpen. 
um, and then you try to do too much, you can do the same thing as a hitter. Um, but baseball is hard. There's so many factors that go into it. Um, even the ballpark we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you were saying, obviously, I, I think it's probably fair to say if you've got the Brewers winning upper 90s to low 100, you probably have them winning the, the NL Central. Is that safe to say? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. So Soto's not going to the Cardinals? If Soto goes to the Cardinals, great. Uh, their their pitching staff is old. I mean, I feel like – I mean, I said this earlier this season, and it was kind of in a joking fashion, but I was like, oh, my God, if that happened, that would be so – I would be so depressed. Uh, they, they're kind of like on a reunion tour from when they won the World Series. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got you got uh, Albert Pujols coming out there in a walker. Uh, they're throwing Yachty pitching innings. I mean – and then you got Wayno and you got, you know, just bring back Carpenter and you got the yeah, right? squad, man. Carpenter and uh, who was the other big key player in that uh, World Series team? Berkman, I remember killing. I think it was the Rangers. Oh, David Freeze. Oh, that's, that's right. That's probably who. Yes, Freeze. Freeze. Thank you. Because I was going to say he was a pain to us in that because we played. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. We played him too. It was one of those. Uh, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. So. But yeah, I I don't see it like I, okay, and it's weird to me. You you think you think of the Cardinals, and they're a good team. They are a very good team. But whatever's happened to them recently is only to our benefit because you look at you got Nolan Arenado, who was the talk of the talk of baseball before he became a Cardinal, and I feel like his his he's just. He's not the superstar he was in, in St. Louis for whatever reason. And then on the other side, you got Paul freaking Goldschmidt. And I just, you know, he's having a great year. But I I just, I don't I, 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 I don't feel like they're as big a stars in St. Louis as they were elsewhere in the game. You know, like if a Freddie Freeman would have gone to St. Louis, I feel like he wouldn't have been as big of a star as he is out in Los Angeles. Yeah, they don't really about the ballpark or the club or whatever it is. Yeah, they just don't seem like as big a stars on St. Louis as they do everywhere else. Yeah, and maybe it's that they don't have the supporting pieces either. Like we saw O'Neill's having a bad year this year. I mean, Nolan Gorman's been okay, but like they've got a hole at catcher. Um, The pitching staff hasn't been all that great. And so even if Goldschmidt and Arenado are playing well or, or in their stretches that they do, and Goldschmidt especially has been for most of the year. They're not going to maybe be able to to carry the whole team. Almost actually the opposite of the Brewers in the sense that they've got the stars, but not the supporting cast. The Brewers offense almost has all the supporting cast and no stars. Like we're we're deep and we're solid all around, but we don't exactly have that one or two guy punch in the three four spot like the Cardinals might. Right, right, and I think I think you look at. Um... General age, I, I I keep going back to the fact that we do have this young pitching staff, and and that's really our, our our the meat of our team. If you could throw a guy out there every night that gets six innings, six solid innings, and can come back in four days or three days, you know, and and do it again. You just gotta get a couple hits. I mean, it's it's shown by the mar- the margins and the gaps that we've won by. 
even when our hitting was at our worst, we were still winning games because we were keeping them tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many one-two run ball games have we won this year versus you know lots? And it's like, okay, yeah, when we lose, we get pounded on a lot of the times. If you look at just a lot of the losses today, especially, uh, we got pounded on. You know, our bullpen just kind of gave it up. And when it's one and two runs, that's when it's the most exciting to be a Brewers fan. You know, a lot of people are like, well, we we you know, we can't get runs for these guys. They they don't care as long as they get enough to get the win. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Burns is like, hey, as long as it's over the other team's number, I don't care. I'll keep them as low as I possibly can for seven, eight innings. But you guys got to do the rest. Right, right. Well, and actually, speaking of Burns, he's obviously been outstanding. He's pretty much just continued his dominance from last year into this year. And, and really, actually, from 2020 all the way through this year, he's been dominant. So I don't think there's much debate on on whether he's been uh, the Brewers' most valuable player. But outside of Corbin Burns, who would be your pick for the second half MVP of the Brewers team? This juncture, I am going to lean heavy on. I think there's going to be a, a a little bit of like a almost a home run race between and a, a race between the uh, top guys. I think it's going to be down to Telez. Uh, Adamas and Hunter, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hang it on on Telez. Um, I just like Rowdy there, and I kind of like what they what they do with him and where they've been playing him. Um, he's a guy that goes out there every day, and you know there was a stretch where he he wasn't hitting anything outside of a home run two weeks ago, maybe mm-hmm. was it two weeks ago? Yeah, I think it was like right before the All Star break. The guy the guy found an unlock here in Boston. He's been hitting pretty pretty decently, um, but I really look to see him really kind of take over. I mean, I think the next next best option for that would be Hunter Renfro, but I like Hunter Renfro, Adamas, and Telez. Telez is my pick because there's something about a big first baseman. <laughs> I mean, you go back to the Prince Fielders, you know. Well, there's been some good big man first basemen. Uh Vogelbach, who just got traded, mm-hmm. um, you know he's a he's a good big player, and I I always love it when you see the big guy out there, and he's you know I I have this spastic brain where I think of things. Do you remember when Bartolo Colon hit a home run? Yep, mm-hmm. and he was just looking around the bases. I'm like, that's amazing. I love athletes Baseball. like that. <laughs> It is. It's a baseball. It's only a baseball you see that because, you know, do you, do you see quarterbacks that weigh 250 plus pounds? No, you don't. Not, I mean, they're probably muscle if they are. Right. Know? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's definitely a baseball thing. And yeah, I think one of those, you know, of those three guys, Renfro, uh, Adames, and Telez, those are, I think, the three key bats. Like I was saying, Brewers have been kind of lacking some of that star power. And I think if one or two of those guys can get hot, the Brewers' offense looks a lot different and should help the Brewers avoid a, you know, Braves-esque series that the offense had last year that knocked them out of the playoffs. So I think that's really important that those three those three guys, at least two of those three guys, really pick it up. So as we wrap up here, um, any other parting thoughts that you have uh, before we go, Eric? No, this has been fun, guys. I'm, I'm glad you had me on. Uh, I, I look forward to doing maybe a follow-up. And, you know, we can set something like that up and 
Uh, give these guys a follow. They uh, they got some interesting stuff here. They new dynamic, new to the field, and that's that's fun. You know, not necessarily new as we talked about, but I mean, you know, like the more the merrier. I always say when it comes to talking about this because I think as fans of this game and as fans of the Brewers, there's just not enough coverage out there. And that was a, another point that I never made in the beginning of this thing. But one of the things is there's no coverage for Brewers baseball. There is no coverage. I mean, you hear a glimpse of our name in, in a trade or whatever, but, you know, nobody really talks about us. So why don't we talk about us, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, if you want to go listen to me, Yamaran, it's the Miller Park Minute on all social media platforms, the Minute on Twitter. Uh, Eric Agnew on Facebook. Uh, like and subscribe. Uh, like and subscribe to these guys. They do a, a tremendous job out here, and uh, I look forward to hearing more from our friends. Blue and Blue and Yellow podcast, absolutely. Yeah, and no, it's certainly right. check out. Certainly go check out Miller Park Minute Facebook group um, if you want to just be inundated with all Brewers content discussion, the good, the bads, the ugly. Um, but certainly go check out. Um, Eric and all of his uh, socials as well. Eric, once again, appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. And uh, we certainly will look forward to having you back sometime again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review our show on whichever platform you're listening on. If you enjoyed it, consider supporting us through the link down below. See you next time.